0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So I just want to echo what I just heard Steve say about Lindy. We, we felt like last week was, there was literally a line drawn in the sand Inviting people in to increased intimacy with the Father, increased intimacy with the Godhead, and so I love it when the, the Lord does that there, there's marking moments in history there 's marking moments in um, in our movement when i don 't know if you guys noticed uh, Kyle wishing he 's not here today they 're getting ready to have a baby so but Kyle wishing came and sat right there and uh, I immediately remembered when Bill and Benny Johnson were in Weaverville, and it was after they got back from a Wimber conference, and one person, the Lord fell on one person, and they went home, and they said, revival has started. And there's moments that I I feel like, and and the beautiful thing, uh, I'm going to be talking a little about changes in the air and how that affects, how that pertains to the gospel and the kingdom, and... There's these moments that, that we actually get to choose. We get to partner with him. We get to partner with God. Um, and and I, I love that obedience. There's moments where it actually takes obedience. Do you guys know that? There's moments where God falls on you and you can't do a thing. Anybody ever had those moments? Love those moments. Can't do a thing. There's other moments where it's like, it's actually, he says, ball's in your court. That feels sobering and scary to me at times. And so, uh, I I did feel like it was a marking moment. And let's just invite who's already here. Let's just recognize them together. So, Holy Holy Spirit, I I thank you that you are going to release direction today. You're going to release vision. You're going to release, you're going to expand our territories. I thank you, Lord, that we are entering into a season, an epic season of increased intimacy. Intimacy. And Jesus, we're so thankful for the gospel. We're so thankful that you brought us good news. We're so thankful for the kingdom. And we're thankful that you are going to show up today in power. We expect every single time that the word of God is declared, the gospel is declared, that, that you want to show up with signs following the gospel. And so we just expect great things today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there is as as believers, we all have two-fold mission. We have mission that the Lord has given us. We are all ministers. Ministers simply means those that serve. Everybody say, "I "I serve," because Jesus serves. So you got, we are all ministers, and I I believe that we are called to do these two things. And one is to proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel, and if necessary, sometimes use some words. And then also, we are called to release the kingdom of heaven. We are called to bring the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And... There's been just, Lindy, uh, again, listen to the podcast. We're, we're not just saying that. Um, listen to that podcast. But there's been some dreams that, that have been released that, that feel super significant. And, and, and these two dreams that I'm about to share feel like they tie into what the Lord is doing in this season. And I, I shared them about three or four weeks ago. And I, I've been having this experience with change, with coins, with coins. And it first happened to me in, uh, when we were at Sandy Creek High School. How many of you guys are with us at Sandy Creek High School? I love Sandy Creek High School. And it happened to me at Sandy Creek High School. I showed up and I was just there praying. I was just there, um, just walking up and down, just praying. And I saw a penny on the ground. And I picked up the penny and I looked at the penny. And on the, the date on the penny said 1986. 1986. And immediately I hear the Lord say, "There's a single mom here that I want the whole congregation to give money to." So I, I was happened to be doing an offering that morning, which made that super convenient. And um, I, I, I said, is there, a, "Is there a single mother here that was born in 1981, I mean, 1986? And this one woman in the back corner uh, stood up and um, raised her hand. And we just had the, the congregation. I said, okay, guys, go give her money. And what Steve was just talking about, we have such a generous people. You, we have the heart of generosity. We're generous like our father. And I just remember people just, I mean, there was thousands and thousands of dollars. We didn't know what to do with it. We had paper bags just full of money, just full of cash. So we just gave her the cash, and and so at that moment the Lord started to speak to me through pennies, though, especially pennies, and um and so fast forward, uh, just recently uh, the senior team was out. We were out doing a, a, a just retreat to pray and seek the, the face of the Lord and talk to one another, and I found another significant penny, and. Um, I was trying to figure out what the penny meant, and I've only seen two eagles in my life, in, um, bald eagles. And I'm sitting there, and I asked um, the, the team that was there, I'm like, hey guys, does this mean anything to you? And they're like, no. I said, I know it was around the Jesus Movement Revival, and, but I, I don't think that, that's what it's uh, a meaning in this moment. And So I wake up the next morning, and I'm just seeking the face of the Lord, and I'm just praying, I'm like, God, I gotta figure out what this penny means, I know you're speaking, what are you saying? And all of a sudden, this eagle flies by, and and eagles uh, represent the apostolic. There's a restoration, the apostolic. We're in an epoch, a, a moment in time where there's a restoration. What I love about the apostolic, the apostolic isn't looking to the man or woman of God. The apostolic actually releases the people of God into the things of God. That is what the apostolic does. And so and I knew the Lord was speaking, and so he started to talk to me, and he ended up telling me what the penny was about, which was super significant to me. And during that time, uh, Jen came up to me, and she's like, hey, sweetie, I, I feel like it's time to put the kids in public school. And, and we love public school. We've been homeschooling the, la- the previous six years since we moved here. Before that, our kids were in public school, and we just love always the school kids, just to bring them up in the way they should go. And and so I was kind of honestly having a little bit of a hard time with it. Like, Father, you know, the biggest reason we wanted to homeschool our kids is because we feel like the primary disciplers of our children. And to disciple somebody, it actually takes time. It takes time. And so that was some of the hardest thing I was just having. And so I end up uh, I end up having a piece on Friday night to send our kids to school. And I told Jen on Saturday, I said, okay, I I feel peace with you. I'm there, honey. And on Monday night, I I decided to go to the local schools where they were going and just to go pray, ride my little 50cc moped, flat black, beautiful little thing out there. If you want to go check it out, it's just gorgeous. Flat black might be the greatest color on earth. It means creativity if you're a prophetic person. Sorry. So (laughs) just look at all this creativity up here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... I, I begin to drive and I'm praying and I'm just, you know, just blessing the school. And, and as I pull into the school, I have my head down looking for a penny, looking for change. And there was a prophetic word by Bobby Connor that went out about two and a half months ago. And he kept on seeing coins fall um, at his feet. And the Lord spoke to him real clear and said, tell my people that change is in the air. Change is in the air. And so... Um, It was two weeks before I'm on my moped driving to pray for the schools, we have, um, I received these two um, dreams by Amy, and and she was talking to Jen and I, and she said, I've had two dreams about change. One was, I saw coins falling out of the air and turning into butterflies, metamorphosis. There's this change happening. And... And then the the next dream was I saw a large field with a whole bunch of trees and different individuals from our community, different people that she knew was going up to the trees and on the tree like fruit was coins, was change hanging from the trees and people were walking up to those trees and picking their change. And this was the dream she had. She had two dreams. So she shares both these dreams with me, and I'm like, you have no clue how loud God is right now. He's speaking us through, um, through money, through coins, through these kind of things. And uh, so I'm driving, and I'm looking for pennies at, at the school as I decide just to go pray for the schools. A- and as I'm driving, I-, I hear the Holy Spirit. Did you know it's the kindness of the Lord to convict you? Remember, conviction is not condemnation. Conviction actually causes us to see higher. One of the things that Lindy was calling us to as a prophetic people, as an apostolic people, is to raise our gaze and make sure that we're looking from heaven to earth. And so I was looking for change on the ground and I get to the front door of the school and I hear the the Holy Spirit say, what are you doing looking for change? And, and, And I knew he was like, you know those times where you're trying to make something happen? And it was one of those moments for me, and he says, he says look up. And remember, change is in the air. And so I'm just praying for the school, and I'm driving um, back and forth between um, both schools and just blessing them, and I spend about, about 30, 40 minutes doing that, and I decide and to just, just drive back home. And I drive back home, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, you're not done. I'm like, Wow controlling today. I'm joking. I did not say that. I did not say that. He just speaks me in the same language I speak to myself, which probably isn't very good. But, um, And so I turn back around and go back to the schools. And as I drive in to the schools over here, there is these three large signs at all three schools. And on these schools, no joke, is a penny about this big. A giant penny and it says on the school, on the the, um, sign it says, your pennies matter. I am just like, I quit, I give up, I'm going to heaven right now, you're taking me, this is over, we're done. Remember, change is in the air, look up, look up. We have to be seated in these heavenly places to actually see what the Father is doing. So change is in the air. And, and I felt this, this, this massive significance when it comes just to the word of God. And I, I feel like we are in a new epic season. And, and I love, you know, if our two mission, if our mission is to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news, and we love it in, in Matthew in Matthew. Uh, 28, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then I love it in Mark 16, the other, the other go of the gospel. We are a mission movement, meaning no matter where you are at. Now you remember, when I was young, I, I remember missionaries were always gone to some other place, right? And I love the restoration of the missional movement that is now today, which means where you are is where the mission field is. Your job is the mission field. Wherever you're at is where your mission as a believing believer in Jesus is. And so I love that restoration of what missions mean. But in this, it says in Mark 16, 15. And just so you know, we're going to be in Genesis 1 and 2. That's our primary scriptures today. It says this in Mark 16. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation Everybody say to the whole creation. creation. We're going to come back to that. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And I love this this progression that that salvation is the entrance into the kingdom. And we we know that that the gospel, that, that Jesus had to die because we all needed a Savior. You and I needed. We are all human, and our condition from what happened in Genesis 3, we have all now fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all need a Savior, Jesus. And so it goes on to say, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, and they will speak in tongues. I love that, that this gospel that we proclaim is not impotent, it's not stagnant. It's not, it's not only words. It's actually demonstration of things that you could not do apart unless you are apart from God, or apart with God, to God, in God. And so we are actually called to be those that release heaven on Earth by signs, wonders, miracles, and that is introducing people to King Jesus, but it's also demonstrating King Jesus' rule and reign on earth. And so he commissions us here to go, and then in verse 20 it says this, which I love, and they went out preaching everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanied signs and wonders. When when you're preaching, when we're proclaiming, we we want to, we don't want to be inoculated from what the true gospel is. The gospel is power rushing in and changing everything in your life. It's the forgiveness of sin. It's the deliverance from the, the tormentor. It's the healing of bodies. This is what SOZO, saved, delivered, and healed means. This is what encompasses the entirety of the gospel. And I love one of the things that was so beautiful about um, being in this movement in the early years. you know, with Bill Johnson and just seeing what he was doing, again, the apostolic doesn't just release the man of God, it releases the people of God. When he would look at us, I remember one of the first times I prayed for somebody, it was him saying, now you are the ministry team. And before, like many of us, we were used to the man or woman of God doing the prayer. But what, what this does is, this is the, the restoration of these signs will follow those who believe. We don't want to just get comfortable. If signs and wonders aren't following you, I'd start asking yourself some questions. Remember, don't allow the condemner to come in. Don't allow condemnation to come in. But again, what we want to do is line up with the power of the gospel. And that power doesn't just take us, it takes us partnering with him. It takes us co-laboring with him. It takes this thing about these signs, these wonders, will follow those who believe, and they will follow the proclamation of the gospel. And so this is super important. But the, the, the real heart and thing that I want to talk uh, about in the concept of the gospel really is the kingdom, and today I want to release six um, core values to grow in health, to grow um, you as a kingdom believer that, that brings the gospel, that knows your primary mission is to, to bring the gospel and, and build the kingdom. And so we just read there at Mark, at Mark 16, it says, uh, we're proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation, have you ever looked at those things and got curious? I do. This is just the way my brain works so I, I love it in Luke nineteen it says this: for the son um, luke nineteen ten for the Son of man has come to seek and to save most of your translations. How many of your translations right now say the lost do you see it, Does it say the lost most of your if you if you 're if you have the ESV, if you have the nearly inspired version, the NIV, um, if you have, thanks Blake, you were the only one, appreciate it. Biblical humor, I love it. Um, those will say uh, the lost. The Rizzle translation is not the lost. The NASB gets it more correct when it says to seek and save that which was lost, which ties back into this um, This Mark 15 verse that says we're actually called to proclaim the gospel to all of the creation. I was of the movement as a young man where it was all about um, leading people to Jesus, which it is all about leading people to Jesus. But we missed the second part of what um, Jesus did on the cross to restore that which was lost. And so that which was lost is super important. It also, in Matthew 18, 11, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. So it says it there in Luke and also in Matthew. And I, I love the progression of the kingdom. But what we want to do is go back to uh, the original design. Let's go back to the beginning. Everybody want to start with the beginning? So let's all turn to Genesis 1 love Genesis. The six values, the six core values of a kingdom culture, of a culture that is building the kingdom are these. Identity, work, rest, connection, sexuality, and sex. Yep, the room just changed. I love it when the room changes. Ready? Say this with me. Identity. Identity. Work. work. Rest. Rest. Connection. Sexuality. Sex. And all of God's people said amen. was raised with the concept that theology became this stale religious activity. How many of you were raised like that? The letter of the law. So I was raised in that. And then being birthed in this culture, and this movement, um, one of the things we want to do is destroy the spirit of religion which I love, I love destroying. I, w- I love watching that devil fly out. I love watching that devil flee. It's one of my favorite things. And, but theology simply means for a human to begin to grasp God through intimacy. I love it the way that the, 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 the English say it, they just say it's God talking to you, it's God talk. And I don't know about you, but I wanna hear God's voice a lot more than I hear my voice. If I'm looking to be in intimacy with my wife and I'm the only one talking in this relationship, it's gonna be a big bummer to our connection. And so if theology is God talk, is intimacy with God, is our job, um, our joy too, is to understand the Father. It's not just some stale religious thing. It's actually our joy to begin to not just grasp God intellectually, but grasp Him intimately. And it's what Jesus invites us into in John 15. And so I I love the starting of this. In Genesis 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created. I enjoy that. So, if we start to look at God in the beginning, what is the, the first thing that God does? What is the first work that God does? He creates. Your work is meant to be creative. You are actually called to be a creator. Not the creator, the creator, how do I say that? Do I, I get that wrong last time I did this too? But he is, he creates things out of nothing. You create things out of something that are already there. But it's the nature of who you are to be a creative person. So God starts out the book, creating. And I love it. He goes through Genesis 1, and and, and line by line, he ends up in this poetry saying over and over, it is good. It is good. It is good. And then we get into verse uh, 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 26, and it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let us, um, and let him have dominion. And then it goes and lists some things. And then in verse 27, it says this. So God created man in his image, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Go down to verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it. Flip over to verse, um, um, chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were f- uh, finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested What I adore about this is our God is a hard worker. Our God loves to work. He loves to create. And if we don't have a theology that God works, what it actually does to us and our souls is most of us think the end goal of heaven is playing a harp on a cloud, sitting there singing, holy, holy, holy. I wanna propose to you today that in heaven you will be creating, you will be working. You will be working alongside your maker. Your job here matters. What you do right now for a living or not for a living. How many moms and dads do we have in the room? You guys are all really hard workers. You're doing a great job subduing the earth. And so when we look at these passages and we begin to build a framework of your work matters, it starts to change everything. Because what I began to slip into was the dualism, the thinking that the only things that matter are when I'm healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and preaching the gospel to those that were lost. But if we look at that which was lost, if we look at actually the original creation story, you are called to subdue and work. You are called to take dominion, to rule and reign. And ruling here does not mean to, um, to, to overthrow. It means to come under. It means to serve um, in the context of people. But in the context of of what we're doing with the earth, it it really matters what you do. And so we'll keep on reading. And so in Genesis 2.15, it it goes into this, which, man, this is just so good. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Now, what I adore about this is our primary role. Do you remember that Eden is a picture of heaven? Eden is a picture of heaven. And in this picture of heaven, the Lord is calling the man to actually work and subdue. Because there was some tending that needed to happen. Again, a lot of times I think heaven, there's going to be no, there's going to be no architecture. There's going to be no designers. There's going to be no builders. That's the way I used to think of heaven. My view of heaven is completely changing. Heaven is a place where you will use your humanity, meaning God made you unique and special. God made you different than everybody else. There's no one like you. And in this, you have something to bring earth and heaven in what you do with work, in what you do with stewarding and subduing. And I love it. Uh, It was years ago, I got to be with Ed Savoso and he's just an amazing, uh, amazing revivalist. I I adore him. And he's the one that pointed out... um, that that scripture in Luke 19 about that which was lost, which is speaking about the rebuilding of cities, the rebuilding of of a kingdom culture, a, a culture that begins to look like what Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want this realm to look like that realm. One of the ways you do that is by what you do in your job. And remember, we've got we to expand our, our version of what our job is. I don't just mean what you do for 40 hours or what you get paid for. I mean, you are actually called to be creative. If you love to sew, if you love to knit, if you love to garden, if you love whatever you love, if you love to make good coffee, if you love to make really good food, this is actually bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. I missed that. I don't know about you guys, but I missed this for a long time. And I thought, what I'm doing, the value of what I'm doing is in this small time frame of my life when I'm preaching or, or, or leading someone to Jesus or, 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 or you know, praying for the sick or, or deliverance. No, the kingdom of heaven looks like us being creative, it looks like you're nine to five. You are called to work, and this is where it even gets better is is here when it says um, that we are called into Eden to work it because, again, this is pre-fall. So, um, also in Colossians, it says this. Um, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. Work is simply an extension of your worship. If, if, If you don't have that work, mowing your grass, feeding the kids, changing a diaper. If you don't have that as an extension of your worship, you are going to be living a humdrum life, looking for the next big thing. We have become falsely addicted to instrumental worship. I adore this, guys. I Now, this, remember, we're going to talk about work, rest, sexuality, and sex. I think corporate worship is one of the closest contexts of be- oneness, the oneness between a man and a woman. Sex, one of the closest contexts um, that we understand would be sex, which would be worship, which looks like when we call come in, um, for those of you who are, aren't married, welcome. When you, I don't know about you, but most of the time when you're having intercourse, it's not about figuring it out, guys. It's actually about experiencing one another. It's one of the reasons Um, Hookup culture is such a perversion because this intimacy of relationship is supposed to be one man, one woman for the rest of life. And in that moment, it's like the the, the reference goes back to a, a John 15 of the abiding presence of Jesus, Holy Spirit. And if we live, if you guys live your marriages in, all you remember is your wedding and your anniversaries, You've missed the point. Sometimes, and I adore our counterculture, I endure it. Encounters with God are huge. Encounters with God always lead you to the next level of abiding with Him. If I only look at my wife and see, I can't wait till our next anniversary. Man, that was a really nice time with you. I really felt like one. I felt bonded. See you in a year. It's somewhat how we live like church. No, this intimacy that we're being called into, this oneness, this John 15, I'm abiding with him. I'm abiding. It's I wake up every day and go, Jesus. And now one of the things that we're missing, one of the things that we're missing is the Western culture is beginning to take the fruit of the kingdom. The fruit of the kingdom, which looks like um, uh, injustices made just. It looks like social justice issues. It looks like feeding the poor. It looks like equality for every human. It looks like those beautiful things, which we are the biggest fans of. And and we want to be, as believers, we want to be the head of those spears, of those things. But what we've now started to create, the epoch that we're in now, the epic season, is we've started to create a culture that wants the kingdom without a king. There's a guy named Mark Sayers that his famous quote right now is we want the kingdom without the king. It all starts with the gospel. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with this romance that I wake up to Jesus. And there's so many people rejecting Jesus right now. The gospel is the entrance into this kingdom. We cannot have the kingdom without the King, without King Jesus. He is central to who we are as believing believers. And so, if we are expanding this kingdom and we do believe that your work, what you do, matters that heaven is actually gonna have a place for you to make really good food. Have you heard about the banqueting table? It's gonna have a place for you to subdue, to cultivate, to take dominion. Again, that was never to rule over people. It was to rule over the earth. And this is where we go into one of my favorite passages of all the Bible, which is Romans eight. How many of you love Romans eight? It's just ministered to me for years. But listen to Romans 8 through this lens of creation is important, you creating. It says this in, in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the future glory that is to be revealed to us. My favorite definition that I've ever heard of uh, about glory is recent, and I believe the person got it from somebody else. And he said that glory is simply presence and beauty. The presence of King, the presence of King Jesus being closer than your skin. I love what Lindy said last week when she was sharing one of her dreams. She said, there's gonna be people that are gonna be with Jesus for two minutes and everything's gonna be different. His presence, but then beauty, Beauty matters to God. Look at Genesis 1. It was good. Jesus doesn't create garbage. Which is what perverted my original um, understanding of, of the word of God when I looked at Genesis 3 and I saw the fall of man. All people just became worms under this fundamentalist Christianity said, you need to know you're a worm. Bull, you need to know you're beautiful. All men, all women... All kinds are created in in God's image, male and female. One of the only things you can't change, you can't change your chromosomes. It's one of the beautiful things that God has released to you. He's given you your maleness and your femaleness. And when we look at the, I'm, I'm, I love you all. I'm just super intense today. I can feel it. I just, my wife always says, stop and form your face. Tell everybody you're happy, joyful. I'm a super happy person. I love it. I love y'all so much. <clears throat> I really do. So male and female, we're going to get back to Romans 8 because it's just so oh God. Huh. So, Genesis, when he created us for, uh, um, in his likeness, he created, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. You are beautiful for who you are. A few things you can't change. You can't change your height. You can't do it you can't change your eye color unless you want to wear a mask. I'm joking. I like contacts. I think they're cute. And if you have vision problems, we can pray for you too. So, but that's part of part of the original, the original intent was you're beautiful just the way you are. And there's this whole thing coming in and stealing a culture's identity right now that says you're not beautiful just the way you are. And there's this this humanistic thing rising up in our culture that takes the kingdom without the king that says it's my way. This is why theology is so important because it's not the letter of the law there. It's intimacy with the, the author of this book. It's intimacy with the person of Jesus. And there's grace, there's deliverance, there's freedom. We want to release freedom to all because how many were lost? All, all of us needed this, guys. All of us. All of us needed the original part, which is identity. The originally part of who we are is your identity. You have to know who you are. You have to know your be before you ever get into your do. If you get those two things mixed up, you will be living a life of torment your whole life. You will be working for love rather than from love. And we are not meant to work from that place. We're meant to work from our creative, loving, lover place. And it's just who we are. So in Romans 8, it goes on to keep on saying, For the creation waits with earnest longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. I've added daughters because it's the co-creative sons in that term is the same sons in Genesis. It's male and female creation itself, guys, this planet, this, our world, our world needs it. If you have a turn and burn left behind theology, repent. The Lord actually puts you as rulers and reign, people that can actually reign in life, that actually steward this place. If what you do is only for money, find something else to do. Now, what I'm not saying is I remember cleaning up a toilet at In-N-Out Burger. How many of you guys been to the glory of In-N-Out Burger? Oh, man. (laughs) I remember I was learning this, and this was in 2004, and I'm cleaning up. There was diarrhea and puke all over the walls. And I remember the Lord said to me, this is more important. Your attitude right now is more important than you were preaching a year ago to those youth. This is more important. Your attitude right now. What happens if Bethel Atlanta people show up to work with an attitude of this is my acceptable worship to Jesus? This is my sacrifice to King Jesus? This is the place I lay down and just bring glory and beauty to Jesus. So I'm not saying you just have to be a seamstress or a cook or something like that. Cleaning, doing whatever you do, do to the glory of God. What you do matters. What you do matters. And so, creation's actually waiting for what you do. It's waiting. It's waiting for your creative side to be awoken, and we're all creative. It's not just those one people, it's not just what people call artists. We're all artists because we're made in His likeness. Even you math people are artists. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm almost done. For the creation waits with earnest longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. For creation was subject to futility, not willing but because of him who subjected it. In hope, we have to have a hope. If you don't have a, a, a theology of eternity, you will lose. You will live life without hope here. If you don't have a beautiful earth and heaven that we're, we're co laboring with God, um, that word, when it says in Genesis it, te- it says, "It took the woman out of the man's side and the woman became its helper, um, his helper." That word "helpmate," that word "helper" is the exact same word used in the context of John 14:15 and 16, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit's role with us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. That's not above or under. It's actually side by side. I love, pick your change. The Lord has asked you to co-labor with him. There's not a greater reality than we get to co-labor with creative God. You are co-creators. You get to co-create. And this is actually what we're called to do. Everybody say, I'm okay. He's almost done yelling at me. Don't say that. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm super happy. Okay. I didn't even talk about rest. <laughs> in a seven-day period, if we don't have time to actually unplug from work just to be, don't you love that here in... in? in Genesis 2, it says, God rested. I heard one preacher say that God was tired. Guys, God does not get tired. I'm sorry. That's, that's really sad. It's not true. God does not get, get tired. He loves rhythms. God loves the rhythm of life. God created seasons. Our supernatural culture sometimes pushes against seasons. God creates seasons. He loves seasons. He loves the winter, guys. He's holding your hand through that valley sometimes. Now, if you forget he's holding the hand, you'll stop walking. You got to keep on going. He loves seasons. He adores seasons, guys. And he wants to create with us. And if we don't have also a, a theology of rest... Uh, of, of a day that we fully unplug. We, my wife and I have been trying to practice Sabbath for about four years now. And let me tell you, our culture is not set up for Sabbath. Another soccer game, another this, another birthday party, go, go, go. Our culture is all about producing. We are not human beings. I mean, human doings. We are human beings. And if we don't have this rhythm that God had himself... In Genesis where he rested and that word rest looks like he was looking at the pleasure of what he did he stopped and said man I did a good job this was beautiful rest looks like time to reflect it doesn't just mean we're so exhausted we have to take a nap but we're in a season of overflow where our work and our rest our life lives in tandem if you're a workaholic, you need to repent. If you're a restaholic, you need to repent. He made seasons. It's purposed. Oh, I love you guys. Stand up. I didn't want to be a fire hose and I bless. You guys, I'm passionate about this stuff because I feel like it can change the face of our culture. If you, if every single one of you show up with, uh, you guys are some of the most awesome, I I love rubbing shoulders with crazy people like yourselves during worship here. We're just giving it all to Jesus. I give my soul to Jesus. On Monday morning, I want you to wake up with that same thing. Driving to work, you're in traffic and you're just like, oh, my soul is just given to the king. The king of glory. Show- glory is actually showing up right now. Beauty is showing up. And I know my proclamation. I know that my mission is to bring the gospel. But I also know that my, my, that, that gospel includes this kingdom. And it includes the beauty of the king. So I, I do, I felt like um, the reason I love repentance is because it's not condemnation. It's just changing the way you think. What happens if we all go into our jobs? What happens with these attitudes? What happens if you go home with your kids and there's an attitude of just worship in your home? Because you're like, oh yeah, they're, 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 they're on the floor, they're throwing a fit, and you're just like, this is my acceptable worship just to steward this child right now, just to subdue, to cultivate, to build up. This is my beautiful worship to King Jesus. It will change your parenting style. It will change your environment at your job. And this is part of the kingdom. We want the demonstration of power to show up, but also we want this power to come from within that says, I am creative. I am called to cultivate, to subdue. So close your eyes. And I did feel like there was gonna be two persons in here. And this is just for you to do alone with the Lord, but maybe you've had a false sense of work. Work was only about money. It was only about providing. You serve the God that's name is Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides. Work comes out of that place of worship, of stewardship, that place of you're creative. And there's some of you who are believing right now that what you do is not creative. And if, if what you do is taking from people, it's not in the vein of creativity. If it's actually taking, if the goal is only money, it's time to repent and see your job as worship. And then second, some of us are addicted to rest. We think heaven is a beach in the sky. You would get bored, guys. I know you don't think that's true, you would get bored. And so we just thank you for a a, a team, a culture that, that allows rest, that allows work to be acceptable worship, that allows the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel to go forth, that, that knows that their sexuality is important to God. You being a male or female is important to God. And we didn't even get to talk about sex. I just bless those that are married and covenant together, their sex life that would just be overflow with bonding and intimacy. And we just thank you, God, that you are the intimate God. And you've called us to a next level of bonding with you, connectedness, abiding oneness with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.